Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Well, hey everybody, Kevin Jennings here. I am excited to be back with you for another episode of the Launch University Podcast. Um, For those of you who are new here, I want you to know that this podcast is all about helping you turn good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. And what does that all mean? It means that at the end of the day, if you're a go-getter, you are probably going to be launching something in your life, a new idea, a new project at work, uh, maybe something at home, um, a new business. You're going to naturally be put into situations where you're going to be required to lead and step into uncertainty and figure out a way to make something come together and come to life. And we believe that if you don't have any help along the way, eventually you're going to feel stuck because you're going to feel like you don't know your next step or you don't have a clear plan of action. And it's our job to provide you with proven principles and practices that can help you go from go-getter to difference maker. So we do that by bringing really fantastic, smart people who have done that in their lives and allow us to kind of learn from them so we can all grow on the go. So today we're going to pick back up where we left off last week. Uh, This is part two of our interview with Liam Martin. He is a co-founder and he is the CMO of Time Doctor, which is a time tracking and productivity tool for companies who lead remote organizations. So in part one, we talked a lot more about his personal story and, and the kind of this theme of how he would always kind of solve a problem for himself and then open himself up uh, and acknowledge how that solution could be used to help other people. Um, Now, in part two of our conversation, we really had a chance to dig deep into what it means to run a remote team. From my experiences, when you are just getting started with anything, you're going to be cash strapped. And I think there's an opportunity for all of us when we're willing to explore creative staffing solutions, we recognize that remote work uh, is an opportunity. You get to save on an office. You get to uh, possibly save on some of the furniture that's required, obviously utilities for a building and a lease. Um, We kind of dig a little bit into this in our previous conversation with Brian and Shannon Miles of Belay. And Brian actually um, is a good friend of ours and a good friend of the podcast. And you can check out a book from him called Virtual Culture, where he actually goes pretty deep into what it means to go remote if you are not currently there. Uh, But if you're just getting started, this is an opportunity and solution. And I think, you know, it's very different. both um, Brian and Liam have have their own perspectives on that work, but I just was great to talk to a technology company and say, hey, how are you all approaching uh, remote work as well? So we dig into that. We also dig a bit into marketing. Uh, it was a little unintentional, but we dug into marketing as well. And so it's a little bit geeky, but I promise on the back end, whatever you might be confused about, I am happily going to clarify for you. So uh, hold tight. Listen in. This is a great episode. You're going to get a lot of great content out of it. And then on the back end, uh, you and I will connect and we'll try to put a bow on this and make sure we can kind of extract how we can apply some of these ideas to our business and our ideas today. So without further ado, here again is Liam Martin of Time Doctor. 
that is so fascinating. Well, I, I'm going to ask you one question. Then I want to just transition in a minute to just hearing about what you've learned about outsourcing or remote work. I think that a lot of people who are, who are working on, who, who are listening to our podcast, either they themselves are startups um, or they're an entrepreneur, an executive who's been tasked with growing something new in the organization. And that and that, that also tends to lead to maybe some creative staffing solutions. And so before we get there, I'd love to just hear one more question. And that is, how does time, Doctor, define productivity for your organization in, you know, in this season of, of its growth? It's pretty complicated, uh, to be honest with you. It, so f- number one, it's departmental. Hmm. So there are... Um, like you can't compare a development team to a customer support team sure. to a sales team to a marketing team, but let's talk about marketing because I think that's probably something that you'll be able to really understand completely because you're an expert in that field. SEO, right? So we we have a blog. Every time we put out a blog post, we have a team that launches that blog post from the writing to the outreach to the uh, link building. All those, you know, all those types of things. So the launch team, the promotions team, they have a KPI. Uh, there's two major measures that, that we measure by. Uh, net new referring domains. Hmm. So if you've already gotten a link from Salesforce, you can't, you know, if you get a second link, it doesn't count as much. And then we measure the cumulative domain authority of all of those links. Hmm. So if you have a domain authority is like from one to a hundred, a hundred being the most important website, one being the least important. And I could do one of two strategies. I could get a whole bunch of crappy links. So I could get a whole bunch of like DA 15 links, or I could go after a bunch of DA eighties and the DA eighties are maybe they're going to take a lot more time to get, but then at the end of the day, you basically add up. So like a DA80 link is worth 80 points. A DA15 link is worth 15 points. We add it all up and we give people a bonus at the end of the month. And it's kind of a game. So that's, and they also have quotas. So they have quotas that they have to meet for DA, but then they also just have uh, the top, um, the person who gets the most, uh, the highest cumulative DA at the end of the month gets a bonus. So that's the way that we run that. That's our definition of productivity. That's fascinating. And 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 so for those who aren't into the marketing space as heavily, what you know, what Liam's referring to is the idea that if you know, even if a perfect putting a metric on everything you're doing, which I think is also just fascinating and make sure that we're thinking through even the how the smallest things we're doing actually add value to our efforts. But we're simply saying, hey, if, if you have a new blog post, how many other sites are now referring back to what you're doing? Are they linking to that blog post or that or, or that podcast? Are they referencing some of the content that you're creating? That's a great measurement tool for those who are out there blogging every day, thinking about that proactively. And and so so for you all, then I mean that means on an organizational level, you're just really saying, hey, if each department is hitting its metric, then holistically, we as a company should be thriving as well. Absolutely. Uh, everyone has metrics. If every employee has a metric that they need to, that they are measured by, it's quantitative. It's not qualitative, and uh, it's also not one that they can put their thumb on the scale and change. So, as an example, I could completely change. Um, I could completely change MPS score if I made the software free. Hmm. Right. So net promoter score yeah. is basically 
from one to 10, how apt would you be to refer this product to someone else, uh, to a friend of yours? And if you put an eight, nine, 10, you're considered um, someone who really likes the product. If you're five and below, you're a detractor. And then between you just kind of, uh, you don't know if you really like the product or not. So that's a major metric. If I made the product free, our MPS would probably go up, but that's not like, I can't control that. That's a much bigger decision than me. And I wouldn't make that type of decision, but I'm just giving you an example. Yeah. So, um, you know, cumulative domain authority is a number that, hey, if you want to hustle, if you got a lot of friends of yours that can give you amazing links, more power to you. You just succeeded, right? Like you, you figure out how to, how to hit that number, but it's up to you to hit that number. And we have systems in place and operational processes to be able to make that happen. But at the end of the day, you can experiment as much as you want to be able to hit that target. And if you're not measuring somebody quantitatively, then you don't know what you're doing inside a business. Uh, I, I know that that's maybe a little bit extreme, but like it's <laughs> every single time I see a problem inside of a business, it is because no one is measuring what really needs to be measured. Yeah, man. Okay, so so I want to pause there. I think that's really insightful for a lot of our listeners because I mean, even even let's say for the for the startup who just starts tomorrow, right? You still have social media followers, you have email open rates, you have like you have uh, website traffic. Like day one, the smallest organization with almost no revenue still has about twenty or thirty different data points that are coming to them immediately. And I think that's pretty uh, cool to say, okay, hey, I'm trying to find the metric for each individual that is most helpful for the organization, but also kind of serves that guiding light. I mean, I know I always think about American football in, in that way because when you look at every single player on the field, it's really easy to think about what their ad, what what their role is to contribute to the whole. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes as, as small organizations, it can be pretty pretty uh, vague. And that's actually my next question for you, because I think. I mean, for those who don't know, I lead a, a fully distributed team with Junction 32. We have people located in the Philippines, in Boston, Massachusetts, in Italy right now, in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm located in Atlanta, Georgia. And I think one of the things that hit me really early on that I'm still working through, and I, I'm going to use this time to get some free advice from Liam, uh, is is thinking when you're leading a remote team, it is very easy to measure the completion of tasks in a certain number of time, in a certain amount of time as opposed to mm-hmm. a metric. And so first of all, I, I, I'm interested in hearing how you and the team at Time Doctor, and obviously even through your time working with the tutoring company, mm-hmm. helped team members understand that difference of saying, hey, we're not going to let ourselves get lured into the, you completed your time in an efficient amount of time, which I mean, completed your task, sorry, in an efficient amount of time, which leads to us, quote unquote, being productive and saving money, but maybe not moving the right metric forward. So how did you as a team kind of consistently have that philosophy? And then, you know, you've written a book about outsourcing. You've written a guide about that. So I'd love to just hear, you know, what you think we all need to know about outsourcing okay. and leading remote teams. So the first question was about processes, right? And what's leading towards like which metrics are important versus not important. Absolutely. That's in essence what you, okay. So Important versus not important. Important are ones that make you money. Unimportant ones are ones that that do not. And you might, and I know that that's a super oversimplification, but it actually isn't if you tunnel down into that data a little bit more. 
So it all depends on how long it takes for you get a re- to get a return on investment on that spend. So I'll give you an example of Running Remote. So runningremote.com is the conference that we're running in Ubud, Bali. We're getting the best people that we can possibly think of to fly all the way to Ubud, Bali. And uh, we're going to have about four or 500 people there. It's in these tree houses made out of bamboo. You can hold 500 people in and we're going to talk about everything that we possibly can think of on how to build remote teams because we recognized that there was a playbook that was missing Mm -hmm. and we wanted to kind of add into that. So what's the return on investment for that? Well, we could make a little bit of money on selling tickets, but we really don't care. What we really want to care about is we realize that if we can hire people 10% more efficiently, we're at 80-ish people right now and we need to get to 200 within the next year and a half. So how do I actually do that? What's the processes that go into that? Well, I'm going to go and talk to people that have... 2,000 remote employees and figure out how they did it. And none of this stuff is really written down because it's so new. So for us, we just realized that this is a really great way to get much smarter people than us in a room and have them talk to us for three days uh, and learn everything that they possibly can learn. So that's the ROI for us. So the outcome variable of that would be, number one, can is our retention going to be 10% higher employee retention than it was the previous year? Can some other departments go faster from what we're learning there? And then also, too, what's the major brand play? So our mission statement as a company is that we really want to empower workers to work wherever they want, whenever they want. That's what we're, our entire business is about. And when you think of a conference like Running Remote, it perfectly applies underneath of that mindset because this will help people work wherever they want, whenever they want. So you really have to look at just the return on investment on all of these types of things. A short-term, you know, probably in online marketing and, you know, in the online world, Facebook ads, fastest return on investment you can possibly get, but no long-term dividend. On the other side, SEO, very slow return on investment, but massive dividends because you can get an extra $10,000 in recurring traffic. So you can rank an article like how to build a remote team as an example. And maybe if I bought those clicks from Google or from Facebook, it would cost me $10,000 a month. Maybe it takes me six months to get ranked number one on Google for that. But now that's a continuous dividend and those customers are coming into the business every single month for probably years if you do it properly. So it really just boils down to that. And it also just depends you know, it depends on cash flow and a bunch of other variables. But then you, as it comes back, I come back to my original point, focus on things that are going to make you the most amount of money within the amount of time that you have. So if you don't have a year and half a million dollars to invest in a content campaign and SEO, I don't know if I would start it. It's really expensive to start a content campaign. But if you have half a million dollars lying around, probably one of the best returns on investments you can possibly get, in my opinion, um, because you're going to probably be generating three to $400,000 a month in free traffic if re- you were to buy that traffic from Google and from Facebook. So uh, maybe I'm no, getting a little no. too much in the weeds no, like but that, I, yeah, but like that's, that's my perspective on it, is just figure out what your ROI is and then just don't run out of money. Uh, that's basically my job is to make sure that we keep making more money 
and not run out of money. Yeah. Those are the only two <laughs> things that I have to do. I love that. Well, and, and, and honestly, I think, I think Liam, what's, what's happening, right, is I think that you're also helping all of us reconnect to some of the simple principles and letting us know that even with the, you know, the most complex or intricate uh, solutions are still connected to the most simple principles. And the idea of saying, focus yeah. on the things that make you the most amount of money in the time you have before you run out of money uh, is, is, you know, that is, that's a, that's sim- as simple as it gets. Um, you know, and I, and I think if anything, you're challenging a lot of us to ask harder questions um, when we say, what's the value of what we're trying to do. So I, so I, I think that goes to my second point really well. You said, Hey, these are the things that I think people, and even, you know, in industries inside and outside the tech space that they need to know about outsourcing and leading a remote team. Sure. So the most important thing you need to know is record all of your processes. You need to document all all of the things that you do inside of the business. So literally, Kevin needs to sit down and say to himself, what do I spend the most time doing throughout my workday? Could I open up an extra three hours if I wasn't answering emails for six? Yeah. Let's figure out how I answer emails. Let's build a operating manual on how Kevin answers emails, then let's give that operating manual to to my assistant. And then my assistant is then going to start to execute on building, on, on basically answering those emails. And the reason why you need to document everything is because if you don't document everything, you will not be able to communicate that information efficiently remotely. So when your assistant is right next to you, and your assistant is not answering emails correctly, you can show that assistant exactly how to answer emails correctly. But when that assistant is 10,000 miles away, you cannot do that. You must very clearly, we have a, I have a company, I have a saying that's turned into a company saying, which is instructions should not be easy to understand. They should be impossible to misunderstand. Wow. That's a very small, small, it's just like the smallest little tweak in your mindset. But once you tweak that mindset, then things completely change. So you'll start thinking very clearly about how to write out documentation and how to communicate those instructions to individuals so that they completely understand it. Not just kind of understand it, not just someone who has an industry background understanding it, but someone can go back to the very beginning and know and can either go as fast or as slow as they want. So I'll give you some context. We usually write every process is about one page. Uh, I have a very short version of that one page documentation, so less than a paragraph identifying what this document is about and how to actually accomplish that particular task. Then I have it written out step by step in a longer form. And then I have that linked to a video tutorial that then brings that through for the learner as well. So it's very clear. All of the different steps are there. The video is there. Everything's there. So you just understand it completely. Okay. So I'm going to ask a big favor and, and uh, if it's not possible, I totally get it. If, is there any sample process 
small, as small as you can get, I mean, maybe small, maybe as general as it can be, that time, Dr. Yusuf, do you think we could share with the audience? Uh, I think if there's any example, even if like, it's almost, uh, how do we answer the phones here? I think that that would, seeing that example for all of us, I think would be so powerful, right? Because I think one of the temptations for all of us when you're getting started, you feel like there's this big inefficiency with slowing down to document things, especially that thoroughly. Um, and I think that, you know, for many people who are, who are getting started to see how to do it. Like what is the appropriate level of documentation so that it's impossible to misunderstand, but also simultaneously that uh, it almost doesn't create more confusion in the sense of the language and the layout. And I think what you just described, kind of this abstract, the one page workflow, then the video, like I think that'd be really cool to see. So if there's anything you could share with us in that regard, I think that would be a big, big, big. For sure. So I, I, we can include a template in the show notes oh, awesome. and then I can just kind of bring you through that. Basically, as I said, as I just described, that would be the process. But what I also want to make sure is I'm going to, it's, it's a template mm-hmm. specifically because if I give you all that documentation, so if I show you exactly how we do content marketing or if we do, or we answer the phones or do sales or any of these types of processes, they're not your processes and you're probably going to fail at them mm. um, because you need to write your own. So you need to understand the template and then work out on your own process because your, your process is probably very different from mine and you can get best practices amongst different people, but then you need to in- integrate those best practices into your own business. And I've found that this is, this happens a lot uh, where they'll just say, Oh, you know, show me how to, um, you know, show me how to do X, but it's, it's not that you've got to come from a theory. It usually, when I just teach people how to do X, they're not, they don't need to know how to do X. They need to know how to do like X point two <laughs> or X squared or yeah, whatever it yeah. is. They need to do something different from that. And then they just get very frustrated and they come back and they say, well, why isn't this working properly? And I'll say, well, is that I don't know. Are you just copying what I'm doing? Because that's probably not going to work out for you. Wow. You need to figure out where you need to be and what you need to do. I'm sure that running an agency is a very different, it's a, it's a completely different business from running a SaaS business. Yeah. Completely different, right? Like there's some processes that are kind of the same, but there are a lot of processes that are not. Um, I'll give you an example as it applies to me. So I have a friend that runs an agency that's very successful. It's a, um, SaaS is a very slow building business, but it has exponential growth. And SaaS is software as a service. So if anybody has ever bought something like Salesforce or Evernote, Evernote, yeah, perfect example, Evernote or Netflix, Netflix is software as a service, right? It delivers, you pay seven bucks a month. And then in exchange, instead of paying $700, you pay seven bucks a month and we continuously deliver you value throughout the lifetime of you working uh, with us with for that $7 subscription. So it creates a fantastic relationship where the company has to continuously update their software and make it top tier. And then you probably pay a little bit more than you would if you had bought the software out completely at the beginning, but you get that continuous value and I measure whether or not you quit. So um, in a SaaS business, you really want to focus on Hey, getting those customers in, making them happy, making sure that they stay. In an agency, you want to focus on getting the big contract, 
Uh, I have a friend of mine that closed a multi-million dollar deal last year, and he had his entire team focused on that particular project. And now that project is done, and he's back into he's back to zero, and he has to go and hunt another thing, right? So you have these huge influxes of cash. I would be terrified if all of a sudden I had a $50 million contract, as an example, and I had to take these 80 plus people that are in the company and really focus them on that particular project because it would just be a completely different workflow, a completely different set of processes to be able to execute on that versus what we do right now, which is honestly, at this point, it's pretty chill. Uh, we don't, we, we know what we're doing. We're in the good groove. We know we can predict our next quarter. We can predict our next year. Uh, we know how many people we need to hire, all those types of things. So the, the flow is very clear to us. And I know those processes, but I bet you, if you jumped into this business, you wouldn't know what to do either. So it's one of those things that, yeah, that makes complete sense. Well, oh, and so I think you already answered kind of one of my, one of my next follow up questions I had. So I'm not going to go to that. So, but I, I do think this, and that's I mean, I want to ask you, uh, what do you wish you knew before you started leading uh, remote teams and, and outsourcing? Sure. Um, it may, maybe maybe it was document everything, uh, but and then I would love for you to tell everybody who's listening about a, a little bit more about the uh, running remote conference, and for those who are willing to, to make the, the trek out there, how, uh, how they can uh, learn more about the event and maybe attend. Great. So what would I have really wanted to know before starting um, building a remote team? It is outside, if I'm not going to count process design, which I think is really important, is like the first, second, and third priority. The fourth one would have been understanding different cultures and understanding how work applies to different cultures. So in the Philippines, as an example, people on average, and this is maybe politically incorrect or however you want to take it, but I'm just going to tell you the truth, they are very agreeable people. The culture is very agreeable. Much through Asia have the same perspective. So um, there's, a, there's a great piece in Freakonomics, the book, where they talk about Southeast Asian airlines had a much higher crash rate than their Western counterparts. And they were constantly trying to analyze why. And they found out that when they got down to the human level, the co-pilot <clears throat> would not question the pilot's decisions on things. So they'd end up crashing because the co-pilot was too agreeable and would not tell the pilot, hey, you're screwing up. I need to take the control of this aircraft back. What the heck are you doing? Yeah. Which is a very interesting insight. Interesting. So, in, so in the Philippines, as an example, I write a process very differently. The way that I get feedback for process documentation is very different from how I would do it in Ukraine. In the Philippines, I don't ask people, what do you like and not like about this process? I ask them very specifically, what are three things... I could improve in this process because I don't care what they like about like about it. Because usually, if I said, "Well, what do you what do you like and not like about this?" the answer would be, "Oh, I like everything. Everything's great." Mm. You're the boss, so I'm just gonna say <laughs> whatever it takes to make you happier uh, or to make you feel happy. And making people feel happy is very different from getting the job done. Yeah. In Ukraine, as an example, the, it's very different. The way that people communicate is uh, Ukraine and Russia is very much, they will test you 
And if they test you and find out that they can walk all over you, then they don't respect you. So you need to very quickly define where they're where those barriers are mm-hmm. between our communication. And it's almost the po- the reason why I use that as an example, it's the polar opposite of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So we have people from both of those countries that work in the company. So I need to have one meeting in which I'm very direct. And then I need to have another meeting in which I'm very indirect. It's a completely different way that you communicate between these two different groups of people. Yeah. Uh, we have a team that we've just deployed in uh, Nigeria and very warm people, very, very warm people. It's, it's interesting because I haven't been able to really understand the cultural normities of Nigerian culture up until this point, mm. but it seems to me the team is doing well, but that's another thing that I just haven't even figured out yet. I wish there was a playbook right now to say, okay, I'm looking up each country. Here's how to manage those people. Because it actually is something that we end up coming across pretty much every day wow. uh, that we work inside the business. That's so fascinating. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, obviously, there's someone on our team is from the Philippines, and she's incredible. And I'm so grateful to have her on the team. But to, but to your point to say, hey, taking the time to dig in to the culture uh, and, and really understand her perspective on work is a very it's something that I, I can transparently say I've not done uh, the best job of. And this has actually challenged me to step up and say, OK, if I really wanted to, to lead her well and help the organization grow and get and maximize her contributions, I've got to do a better job of understanding what happens culturally in that regard. That's really helpful. Well, I, well, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to come to this conference. I mean, I know that you, you know, your goal is retention and to, and to dig deeper about developing a playbook about running remotely. Um, I would love to show up and, and, and get some of that myself. Uh, but for those who are interested in, in making that journey and, and, and connecting, even those who maybe who can't attend, how can they possibly get the most uh, and go deeper with you and go deeper with time doctor to learn how they can run their teams remotely? Sure. So I would probably say there's a lot of things that you can, you can go and check out Time Doctor, get a trial of Time Doctor. But if you're already building a remote team or you're already at the level in which you have some remote employees, I would really say, and and it's completely honest, I mean, we're not, the goal for us is not to necessarily make money with this, but going to running remote is probably going to be one of the best places that you can possibly go to really get yourself up to the next level if you're interested in building your company remotely. We've got um, the CEO of Buffer, Joel. We've got the CEO of FlexJobs, Sarah. Uh, CEO of um, Doist, which is the, the task management system to Doist. He runs Amir. He runs a remote team of 67 people all over the world. We've got Atlassian, which is Jira, GitHub, GitLab. GitLab. We've got a whole bunch of different companies that are really, that, that are remote first. And I'm very excited about it because it's, again, going to be one of those sort of think tanks where you can just all come together and really think about a, a, a subject deeply for two to three days. And it's in Ubud, Bali. It's in one of the best places on planet Earth uh, for not just for remote work, but just to kind of hang out and, and be in an amazing venue. So uh, if anyone's interested, just go to runningremote.com. Fantastic. Well, Liam, I've been so appreciative for your time. I mean, I, I, I'm, unfortunately, I know I have so many more questions that I'll hopefully have to figure out another way to uh, to woo you to give me more time. Um, and I'm really grateful for it. 
you just come to Bali, my I, man, that's it. That's all you got to do. I got, I got my marching orders. I'm, I'm looking forward to telling my wife about my upcoming trip. Uh, um, no, thank you for your time, my friend. And, and, I, and I appreciate it. We'll make sure we connect and uh, get the template to put into the show notes. And then obviously for everyone, uh, check out Time Doctor. Uh, check out Running Remote. Um, I, I mean, I've already been impressed with what I've seen. And I think you will be as well. Um, thank you for your time, my friend. And we'll hopefully see you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, so as you can see near the end there, I was definitely trying to posture myself to get a free trip to Bali. I mean, I, I I would be lying if I said it wasn't a part of my plan. I was like, man, if I could just talk a little bit longer, maybe Liam will just say, Kevin, get on a plane and we're sending you to Bali in our awesome treehouse venue. So if you're not even going to the event, I think you should go to runningremote.com right now and just check out the venue alone. When I went to that site and I saw that this venue is based in like this awesome, beautiful bamboo treehouse style venue where you're actually above ground, I was like, man, this is so beautiful uh, with open air facilities. So uh, maybe we can all just try to come together and at least send one person to running remote and maybe we can all have them bring back notes to us. Uh, well, that was a fantastic conversation and I really enjoyed the opportunity to to talk so in depth with Liam. He was so willing to share anything and everything that I was really appreciative for that. Uh, there were a couple of terms we kind of threw out there in our conversation that I wanted to make sure we clarified and we'll put these in the show notes for you as well. So we said uh, CDA um, in marketing that stands for cumulative domain authority, which just talks about the uh, authority of your website and how reputable it is in the world. Um, that so You kind of want to build domain authority. So Google and, and all the other places respect your website and its content. Uh, we also talked about this idea of uh, a net promoter score. That's a simple survey, a one question survey where people can tell you how likely they are to recommend your service to others. And the reason that that's become a very popular and powerful tool for businesses is because it's very different to say, do you like what I do? Yes or no? It's very different to say, um, do we do we solve a problem for you? Yes or no. It's different to ask about the last experience with us and give us a rating on your experience. Yes or no. But once you say, I'm willing to recommend you to someone else, you are saying you're willing to leverage your reputation based on your confidence in our organization and our business and our service. And so this is a really powerful question. There's a lot of psychology baked into that. If you want to learn more about it, you should Google net promoter score. But I just want to take a second just to make sure you knew about what that means in the sense that it's a powerful question to ask your customers, even face-to-face, and say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend us to your friends or your or your colleagues? And you'll be surprised with what you learn just for that simple question, especially if you follow up with the question, why? So just something that's a, a little feather in your cap there. Another thing that really jumped out at me from a conversation is when Liam talked about the fact that when he sits down with most businesses, he f- almost always finds out that the issue that they're experiencing is related to something that they're not measuring. I'm going to say that again. The pain you're experiencing in your business is related to something that you're not measuring. And I don't know about you all, but that makes me somewhat feel a little bit more liberated to say that sometimes the pain we're experiencing isn't because we're just wrong. It's just because we're a little ignorant, right? We don't actually have the information we need to make a better decision. And so uh, Dave Ramsey would always teach us, all the team members at his team, that you can't manage 
something you don't measure. So you can't manage what you don't measure. And I just want to encourage you to do the same thing. If there's an area in your business that you're just a little confused about, instead of putting your head in the sand, um, make sure you just take a second and say, how can we measure that? Is there something we can do to measure that? Maybe at the most basic level, just to make sure we have an opportunity to make sure we're not caught off guard if that becomes a place of pain or issues later on in our project, in our idea as we start to grow. So one thing Liam mentioned as well was that he's going to offer up a process template. Um, you can get that process template if you visit the show notes. And we'd love for you to check out the show notes every single week because we always do the hard work of making sure you have a summary of every episode. We want you to be able to enjoy your commute, enjoy your workout, enjoy your time mowing the lawn or whatever you're doing, cooking, whatever you're doing in the background as we kind of get to be a part of that, a part of your day and a part of your weekly rhythm. And we will say, hey, just go to launch. Uh, university, that's Y-O-U with the university, uh, dot com forward slash podcast. If you go there, um, you will actually have an opportunity to quickly find the episode that you're listening to right now and then select the show notes. You'll be able to, you'll see all the links and resources that are mentioned right there. We have links to Time Doctor, links to Running Remote, and we'll also have the process template for you. So visit our site and you will easily be able to get access to that. I know I plan on using this template because I need help documenting. I think anyone who works with me can probably attest to that's an area where we definitely need to improve. And I'm excited about using it. Um, so the other thing we'd love for you to do, if you've enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, we want you to be able to grow on the go. And that happens easiest If you subscribe to the podcast, if you go to Apple Podcasts, if you go to Google Play, if you go to Stitcher or TuneIn, you have access to this podcast easily on your mobile phone or even Overcast. If you use Overcast, you can find Launch University there as well. So we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. The last thing we'd love for you to do is we'd love for you to leave a rating and review. If you can go on iTunes, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, still adjusting to that. If you go to Apple Podcasts and you leave a rating and review, why Apple Podcasts? Why iTunes? Because that's the primary place where people go look for new podcasts. And they're going to look for those rating and reviews. They're going to look for your feedback. And we'd love to hear from you, first of all, and let us know what we can do, how, I mean, how we can improve, of course. Feedback is our friend. And also, we just love for you to share with your two cents because we think that if you're willing to give us uh, a review, someone else might give it a chance just because of the words you shared. And so we'd really appreciate that as well. Last thing I want to share with you is this. We have finally launched our first product. That's right. Our first product we think will solve a big gigantic problem in your world, and that's communication. Um, And so if you check out our product, which is called Elevator Pitch, it will help you use minimum words to get maximum results. We would love to be a part of it. We think that when you have a new idea, the first thing you're going to do is communicate it to someone else, maybe your spouse, maybe your colleague, maybe your boss, a best friend. And we don't want words to get in the way of your great idea. But the reality is this, great ideas do not sell themselves. And we know this inherently because we've all seen someone tell us something they're excited about and we kind of get this puzzled look on our faces and we don't understand what exactly they're saying to us. We know how this feels on the receiving end, even when the idea is great. 
And we want to help make sure your idea gains momentum because a great idea plus great communication equals momentum. So if you'd love to learn more about this product, go to myelevatorpitch.net. And guess what? When you get there, if you go to that site, we are going to give you a free gift. We're going to give you a free personal brand assessment because before you open your mouth, the way you present yourself, your, your reputation, your clothes, really everything about your body language, it communicates something about you. And that's not a negative thing. That's just human nature. That's the way our brains are designed to protect ourselves as we receive information. But if you're intentional about how you present yourself, you are giving your idea, your career, your business a better chance to succeed. And we believe what is inside of you to create is worth that intentionality. So go to myelevatorpitch.net, fill out the form, get the free personal brand assessment, and sign up for the course today. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to serve you in this way. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of the Launch University Podcast. My name is Kevin Jennings, and we look forward to having you join us next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.